Welcome. If you're looking to unlock the secrets of the mind, to live a life that's free of care and anxiety, and to be the happiest you that you can be, then you're in the right place. This is Growing the Good, the Mindful Podcast. Hello and welcome to Growing the Good, the Mindful Podcast with me, your host, Neil West, and I'm joined today by my good friend and co-host, Hayley Kearns. Hi Hayley, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Neil, and you? I'm very well, thank you. Much better than I have been. Wonderful, nice to, <laughs> to see you with a bit of colour in bit your cheeks. A bit of colour in my cheeks, yeah. Spring in my step, yeah. song in my heart. Um, so we're here, back. It's been a little while since yeah, we've done this. Yeah, it has. Nice to be back. Um, and it's a bit of a strange tale, I have to tell you. Because... Um, you might have noticed, observant podcast listeners will have noticed that we tend to have 20 episodes in a series. Um, and I like to draft out ideas, you know, have a thought about where we're going to go over the next series. Mm-hmm. But this book wasn't in it. This book was not in the plan because this book came into my possession in quite an unusual way. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Like um, so, you know, I, I have a colleague and my colleague was out with a group, teacher, out with a group, um, young people, but not that young, you know, some of the young adults that we work with, um, many of them with additional needs and things. And they encountered um, an older lady. I don't say old people anymore because we now are in that demographic. <laughs> but, you know, an older person um, at one of the kind of sports clubs. I think it was possibly a bowling club that mm-hmm. they'd gone to to visit. Um, and she gave one of the young people this book for no reason particularly. Just oh, gave her this didn't book. Didn't choose that. Didn't choose that person. person. No, it was a completely oh. random act. Um, and when they got back to the office, my colleague had t- taken this book from the young person because she didn't think it was appropriate, and she was going to get rid of it. But she gave it to me instead and said, "Can you get rid of this?" No. <laughs> I'm the last so person you immediately to give opened it up. an interesting, curious, and possibly inappropriate book to and say, can you get rid of this, please? <laughs> um, so on inspection, it's, I think they thought it was a fiction book. And arguably, you know, you can decide, listeners, whether it's a book of fiction or non-fiction or somewhere in between. Um, But it is a self-help book, and it's a self-help book written by the devil. Oh. So somehow this book, a self-help book written allegedly by the devil himself, herself, themselves, not quite sure, um, came into my possession. So obviously I had to read it, Mm -hmm. and it caused me to think. (laughs) that's always good always good and I thought perhaps I could share it with you and the wider listening audience of course and it might be the last podcast that we ever (laughs) ever get to record but let's go out with a bang track track the person down that gave the book Mm, to the young person and ask several questions so I'll tell you a little bit about the book first so the book is written by Napoleon Hill and it was written he's in... not the devil. Who's not the devil, mm-hmm. no. He's the author of a very successful book called Think and Grow Rich. Okay. And what he did in the 1920s was go around and interview people like Ford, Rockefeller, you know, very successful entrepreneurs mm-hmm. of the time to learn their secrets and put it into this self-help book that became a, a bestseller. So he was a successful journalist, author of the time. But let me tell you a little bit about what happened to him. 
This is from the notes by Sharon Lecture, who annotates the book. And this book, out of interest, was not published. It was written in 1938, but was not published until 2011, because George Hill and his family, the, 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 the foundation, if you like, wouldn't allow it to be published right. because they thought it was too controversial and would cause too much trouble if it was published and people were allowed to read the thoughts of the devil. Ooh. But we have no such fears. Yeah. We're going to share them quite widely today. Um, so this is what it says. The July 1926 murder of crusading journalist Donald Ring Mellett, the editor of the Canton Ohio Daily News, was one of the most publicised crimes in the 1920s. I'm already seeing the film of this, you see, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the lead, <laughs> yeah, like a film noir. Yeah. In 1925, Mellet had discovered widespread corruption within the Canton police force and embarked on an anti-vice, anti-corruption editorial campaign, targeting, among others, the Canton police chief. Hill was reported to have asked Ohio's governor to initiate an investigation of the corruption, a detail not reflected in Hill's account. Local underworld figures and at least one Canton police officer hired Patrick McDermott, an ex-con from Pennsylvania, to silence Mellet. Mallet was gunned down outside his home. As the story goes, gunmen were also lying in wait for Hill, but a fortuitous automotive breakdown kept him out of their way. On July 17th, the New York Times reported in an article titled More Death Threats Following the Slaying of Canton Editor that the citizens of Canton are terror-stricken by threats of further killings by the rulers of the gamblers, bootleggers and other criminals. As recounted by Hill, after hearing of Mellet's murder and receiving an, an anonymous warning to get out of town, he fled to West Virginia. Okay, mm -hmm. So Hill, investigative journalist connected with the murky underworld, had threats made against him in the 1920s bootlegging sort of era, mm -hmm. had to leave town. And he okay. hid, he went to ground, he, he, he went um, to, to hide out until the heat was off, as it were. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, he started to, um, I guess what we would call meditate, mm. you know, he started to look within himself to find his inner self whilst he was in this exile, this self-imposed exile. Um, and in a sense, this is how he came to unlock the secrets of the devil, right? So the way I look at it, or the way I read it, it's a bit like, you know, the you've read the Tibetan Book of the Dead, I know, it's best Best read in the authentic <laughs> Tibetan if you want the subtle nuances, or you can do what I did and listen to the audiobook. Mm -hmm. Okay, but the premise of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, see I always had a problem with kind of the Tibetan Buddhist mythology in the sense that it's packed with all these kind of demons and monsters and things, mm -hmm. you see them all kind of in those, the dramatic illustrations that you get. But if you listen to the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and this goes back to my liking of talking about death with you Hayley, um, <laughs> And that, the story about, you know, is this person dead or alive? Well, who knows if they're dead or alive? I am not that person. And in the Tibetan tradition, there's a point after death where the person is still present and you can still contact and communicate with them before their spirit moves over. Okay. Right? So the purpose of the Tibetan Book of the Dead would be that you would sit, sit with the person who had recently passed and you would read them this basically guidebook of the afterlife to them so they could make the right choices. Yeah, okay. And it reminds me a little bit of um, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan. Mm. You know, this yeah. idea that if you stick on the path and don't get distracted, you'll be all right, you'll get to paradise. 
And the Tibetan Book of the Dead is a bit like that. You know, if you follow the guidance and you're not distracted by the demons and things that will try to draw your attention and leave you trapped in this netherworld forever, then you will reach Nirvana. Okay? But the revelation is that the demons are a creation of your own mind. There are no real demons. There are only demons that you create yourself. Your inner demons which then made me think of the eudaimonics, you know, the devil, the, the, the demon, yeah. the devil, the, the god within, you know, that we all carry this kind of spirit round with us that we can turn to and seek for that deeper wisdom, the deeper guidance that exists within us. So when Socrates went to consult his inner demon or when Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, after being one of the Vietnamese boat people, struggled with the, the kind of horror and carnage that he'd seen. How can you learn to live with that kind of trauma? Mm -hmm. Well, he did it by walking and meditating until he came to the, the right truth for him, as it were. So this is where I think you could take this as literal, that George Hill really did interview the devil, mm -hmm. or is this him in a state of deep meditation, consulting with his own inner demon, his own new demonics, and that possibly is the path that I would be inclined to take, you know, that this is something that happened within his own subconscious. Um, but, as I say, read the book, you can decide, okay? So, that's the, that's the background to it, if you like. And then the way the devil describes himself is quite interesting. So the devil says, I'm not a beast with a forked tongue and spiked tail. You know, this idea of heaven and hell and God and the devil, they're created by humans. That's not the reality of things. And you have to bear in mind, this is written in 1938. So I think he was either quite forward thinking in this, um, or perhaps was getting some kind of insight, because the devil tells him that that's not how things work. The universe is created from energy. Everything is created from matter, which is either positive or negative, which is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, even down to your kind of emotional state is positive okay, or negative yeah, and these are energies that resonate in the universe you know so people who like crystals and things will no doubt subscribe to this everything yeah. can carry positive or negative energies and they can affect us so when you are in a state of negative emotion fear anxiety the devil feeds on that negative energy and by you know contrast when you feel happy confidence um, you know when you experience these positive emotions then his adversary, as he refers to them, you know, his adversaries, they feed on that energy. Okay. Okay. So, and he claims at this point that he has control and power over 98% of humanity. Right? So the, the devil's okay. taking a big play that he controls 98% of people's minds. So what he tries to do is, um, in order to, to possess people and possess their energy, and particularly after death, he's got to create in them a sense of fear. Right? Right, because okay. when people experience fear, that leaves space for the devil to get into their thoughts and to kind of take, take over, if you like, and, 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 and rob them of their free will, their independent okay. thoughts. Right? So this is what the devil's plan is, to, to kind of create a sense of fear and anxiety in people sufficient that there is space then for him to take control of their lives so that they, they become autonomous, they become subject servants of and if you think about how we talk about mindfulness being this um you know you are not in control of your own life you just 
kind of have to you're swept along by this yeah. autopilot almost and that's the state the devil wants you to be in in a state of autopilot not thinking this so that you then experience nothing but fear fear of failure fear of financial difficulty you know all the kind of fears that fill people's minds so that you're not capable of thinking for yourself so you are therefore in the power of the devil so it's not the conventional picture that we have of good and evil it's yeah. about positive and negative thoughts and emotions but it's painting the picture that people are overwhelmingly negative then is it if, it, if you're saying that 98 percent? 98 percent of people's lives yeah. are governed by fear uh, oh gosh, mm. that's a sobering that's a, thought. A sobering thought. <laughs> okay, gets better. So there's a so that I think that's quite forward thinking for 1938, yes. isn't it? It's a concept. Yeah. But I think he also talks about what we would call neuroplasticity. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let me just find the page. I'm sorry about this thumbing through the pages bit, but here we go. Right. Listen to this, and does it sound familiar? One of my cleverest devices, I don't have a devil voice. Oh, right. Oh, so it's. It this is, is the devil himself. The first, it's written by the devil. Oh, yeah. right, okay. One of my cleverest devices for mind control is fear. I plant the seed of fear in the minds of people, and as these seeds germinate and grow through use, I control the space they occupy. The six most effective fears are the fear of poverty, criticism, ill health, loss of love, old age. And death. Now, does that not sound a little mm. bit like the Thich Nhat Hanh analogy? That are you know all our emotions, and we yeah. grow the good seeds, like the garden. Like the garden. Yeah. And is that not kind of neuroplasticity? Mm. You know that you plant the seed of fear in someone, and then you nurture it until it becomes their overwhelming emotion. Yeah, and that that does happen, doesn't it, people? Yeah. And to some degree, is not everyone afraid of? poverty or criticism or ill health or loss of love or old age and death well, yeah, to some because, degree yeah yeah because yeah. that's would you yeah, say maybe 98 percent of people would experience some of those fears and anxieties at well, some yeah, point i suppose they would i mean it drives if you think a lot of the um multi-billion pound industries help to mm. combat against those fears only, i they, suppose to some degree would be the allies that the devil would play, the people yeah. who do my work for me, you know. Um, yeah, so I saw the seeds of negative thoughts in the minds of people so I can occupy and control the space. Okay. Um, now, he doesn't call it neuroplasticity. He calls it hypnotic rhythm, right? Okay. But if I just find the references to hypnotic rhythm and you tell me it doesn't sound... Neuroplasticity wasn't really talked about until the 1940s. No, we've talked about it yeah. before, haven't we? That it it was wasn't mainstream until the 1960s. So 1938, it's early yeah. to be talking about these kind of ideas. Um, yeah, so... <clears throat> As I've already stated, there is a universal form of energy with which nature keeps a perfect balance, this is the devil again, between all matter and energy. She makes she she the universe makes specialized you need know they they would know sorry she makes specialized use of this universal building material by breaking it up into different wavelengths the breaking up process is carried on through habit you'll better understand what I'm trying to convey if I compare it with the method by which one learns to play music at first the notes are memorized in the mind then they're related to one another through melody and rhythm by repetition. The melody and rhythm become fixed in the mind. 
Observe how relentlessly the musician must repeat a tune before he masters it. Through repetition the musical notes blend and then you have music. Any impulse of thought that the mind repeats over and over through habits forms an organised rhythm. Undesirable habits can be broken. They must be broken before they assume the proportions of rhythm. Are you following it? Does that not so, sound yeah, like neuroplasticity? It is definitely neuroplasticity. Yeah. The more you do something, the stronger those pathways become. Yeah. And you have to break those habits before those pathways become mm. fixed. And we sometimes use the... Um, the analogy of the musical Playing instrument, musical don't instrument we? That is the perfect example. People that have yeah. played a musical instrument as a younger mm. person. It's hard work yeah. at first, and then yeah. it just becomes your nature. Mm. So the devil is trying to make a state of fear and anxiety the nature of people, mm. so that you can't break it. Um, so this is precisely the major difference between individuals. The person who thinks in terms of power, success, opulence, sets up a rhythm which attracts these desirable possessions. The person who thinks in terms of misery, failure, defeat, discouragement and poverty attracts these undesirable influences. This explains why both success and failure are the result of habit. Habit establishes one's rhythm of thought and that rhythm attracts the objects of one's dominating thoughts. So if you have a negative mindset, you will live a negative life. Yeah. If you have a positive life, so, uh, mindset, you will live a positive life. Now, this is this... Um, George Hill was quite into this power of manifestation, you know, that if you want something badly enough, if you're prepared to work hard enough to get it, you will get it, you know. So he mm -hmm. pretended to be rich, he lived like a rich person, he threw money around at people, he dressed lavishly, he stayed in the best hotels, couldn't afford any of it, he was spending way beyond his means, but he believed if you, if you lived the life, if you really committed to it and believed it and went after it, it would come to you. And did it? Um, to some degree, until he had to go into hiding because the mob was after him. <laughs> yeah. Although later on, you know, the, 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 it was all sorted out and he didn't have to live in hiding the rest of his life. Um, but he never published this book in his lifetime. No. And that, that is That's what I think is interesting. Yeah. It's been published long after his passing mm -hmm. um, with the permission of his family, his foundation. So, that I thought was interesting, that he talks about neuroplasticity. There's a couple of other points where I think he's ahead of his time as well. One is his view on cigarettes. So if I go to page 65, bear with, okay. Right, so in the 1930s, cigarettes were very popular, weren't they? Everybody mm -hmm. smoked in movies, on television. Well, did you have television? I don't know, in movies anyway. Um, but they'd not been around that long. You know, cigarettes were only invented in 1900 when they invented kind of rolling machines. Be a bit like vapes now, I suppose, yeah. that are popular but haven't been around that long. Um, so you might not know it, but cigarettes break down the power of persistence. They destroy the power of endurance. They destroy the ability to concentrate. They deaden and undermine the imaginative faculty and help in other ways to keep people from using their minds more effectively. Okay, so I thought I was quite forward thinking to be, be long before the health, you know, the bad health things about cigarettes were known. You know, the devil himself is saying you really shouldn't be doing this because it stops you from thinking clearly. It's a distraction from, from, from mindful thought. Um, and the other thing that I thought was interesting is, um, so this is 1938, right? The war hasn't broken out yet. I have so many devices for entering human minds and controlling them that it's difficult to say which are the most powerful. Right at the moment I'm trying to bring about another world war. My friends here in Washington are helping me to involve America in the war. 
If I can start the world to killing on a wholesale basis, I shall be able to put into operation my favourite device for mind control. It's what you might call mass fear. Right? Oh my goodness, so this, is this was in 1938, and America didn't join the war till 1941. Sorry, Americans, yeah. not sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, the war broke out in 1939, and America didn't join the war till, till later on anyway, after Pearl Harbor and things. So it was quite um, interesting that, that, that they were foretelling this. I mean, the political things were going on, obviously, but the war hadn't started at that point. So that's interesting, I thought. Um, now, we talk about kind of living on autopilot, you know, and this is when the devil can get people when they're living their lives on autopilot. He calls it being in a state of drift or drifting, right? So if I go to that little bit. No. Yeah, here we go. Right, so a drifter is one who accepts whatever life throws in his way without making a protest or putting up a fight. Right? Now, do mindful people do that? Do we accept or do we acknowledge? Mm, we acknowledge. Yeah, I think, I've often heard people say, well, we accept these things. Well, you don't have to accept them, you acknowledge them as things that are happening. Yeah, because you can't do anything else, can you? Um, so a drifter is one who accepts whatever life has thrown, thrown their way without making a protest or putting up a fight. He doesn't know what he wants from life and spends all of his time getting just that. So if you don't know what you want, you won't get anything. A drifter has lots of opinions, but they're not of, of his own. Most of them are supplied by me. Okay, so that's interesting, isn't it? Okay, so drifters, people on autopilot who go through their life without thinking. And... Um, eugenics, okay, this idea that was kind of popular in the 1930s and led to a lot of the kind of controversy and, 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 and intolerance and conflict. The devil kind of makes a claim to eugenics to some extent as well. As I've stated, I help to bring people into the world with weak brains by giving to them before birth as many as possible of the weaknesses of their ancestors. You call this principle physical hereditary. Right, so that's a little bit like you know people are born with a, a, a kind of inclination to be servants of the devil, to have weakness okay. of thoughts, which you know were very uncomfortable with in our kind of modern way of thinking. But in the 1930s, there were people who believed that you know some brains yeah, were inferior to that. others, yeah. or yeah. yeah. Um, after people are born, I make use of what you earthbound call environment as a means of controlling them. This is where the principle of habit enters. The mind is nothing more than the sum total of one's habits. One by one, I enter the mind and establish habits which lead finally to my absolute domination of the mind. So is that nurture? This is like nature, nature and nurture, nurture, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, one of my cleverest tricks, I enter the minds of people through thoughts which they believe to be their own. These most useful to me are fear, superstition, avarice, greed, lust, revenge, anger, vanity, and plain laziness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, to some extent, yeah, yeah, yeah. So why is the book controversial? Why was it never published, you're asking, aren't you? Because so far the devil doesn't seem that reasonable, perhaps. No. Mm. Right, well, this is it. And this is why he said, I will tell you this, because you will never dare to publish the book if I tell you this. Right. Okay. So <laughs> this is not <laughs> this is not the opinions or thoughts of one together or growing the good the mindful podcast. This Can is I just say this is the first time I'm hearing <laughs> this. Hayley doesn't know what I'm gonna tell her. 
right? So this is why the book is so controversial. Okay. Oh my right. goodness. So my second trick is not a trick at all. Without it, I could never gain control of the minds of youths, parents, school teachers, religious instructors, and many other adults unknowingly serve my purpose by helping me to destroy in children the habit of thinking for themselves. Haley's oh, aghast. Oh my goodness. Aghast. Right, so we neither endorse <laughs> nor support views of the being. Everything, everything. That we're, we're both teachers, you know, both we're parents. both parents. Um, that everything we've ever done has been the work of the, the devil. devil. Oh my goodness. Mm. That's made you think, hasn't it? Oh but then you think after the outrage, you start to actually reflect on mm. that. That what we do is we disadvantage young people by discouraging them from thinking for themselves. We tell them what to think. Well, we try not to. Mm. We try to encourage independence. That really, that. really undermined your whole, okay, whole being. Your whole being there. <laughs> So this is why the devil said, I'll tell you, but you'll never publish it. And can you imagine how yeah. in 1938, taking that line, that yeah. the established church, the education system, parents, communities, all the forces of good are actually doing the devil's work by stopping children from thinking for themselves by, by, and by giving them something to be afraid of. So by talking about the devil in religious terms as being this kind of monstrous creature that will punish you for eternity, mm -hmm. you automatically fill that child with fear and anxiety and hand oh, them to the devil. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. This is where my cleverness comes in. There is the exact explanation of how I control 98% of the people of the world. I take possession of people during their youth before they come into possession of their own minds by using those who are in charge of them. I especially need the help of those who give children their religious instruction because it's here that I break down independent thought and start people on the habit of drifting by confusing their minds with unprovable ideas concerning a world of which they know nothing. It's here also I plant in the minds of children the greatest of all fears, the fear of hell. <laughs> This is a scary book. No wonder. Scary book. No wonder it was never yeah. printed. This, as I said, this may be the last growing the good <laughs> podcast for a little while. But no, we're just. I'm just sharing with yeah. you the thoughts of the book um, because on, it, it's given us a bit of a giggle. But mm. by gum, it's it's kind of yeah. getting to the nub of things a bit, isn't it? Okay. Right, I'll not dwell too much on that then because I sense I'm undermining all of you, <laughs> everything you've ever thought about everything ever. <laughs> But I thought it, it relates back to what we talk about as the schema, that none of us, you know, when we talk about beginner's mind, mm -hmm. you know, the devil's saying that a child is born with beginner's mind, it's completely open. Yeah. And then everybody starts to fill that schema up with thoughts, ideas, opinions mm -hmm. that don't necessarily allow that individual to think for themselves. Um, and worse than that, you know, creates within them a sense of fear and anxiety as well. So... Let me just another little nugget. Here we go. Right. In a similar manner, nature forces upon the minds of men the influences of their environment, 
which are stronger than the individual's own thoughts. Children are forced to take on the nature of all influences of those around them unless their own thoughts are stronger than the influences. Now, we could take that as well, not just how society and, and authority work, but the kind of negative things as well, you know, the counterfeit cultures that we've talked about, mm -hmm. the county line drug gangs or things like that. You know, if, if children are not given the strength of their own thoughts, then they're going to be more easily manipulated groomed you know that kind of thing um the internet is very good at this I, I mean god what would the what would this devil have said about the internet yeah. you know that on the one hand it's a great source of freedom and, and freedom of, of expression and things but on the other hand it's a great tool for influencing and manipulating mm. the minds of people as well but this is a very interesting devil isn't it yeah. <laughs> Is it what you expected? No, no, no not no. what you expected. Um, so how does the devil achieve this? Well, there's a number of ways. Flattery is one. Flattery is a, a key tool that the devil uses because people respond to flattery um, even though perhaps they don't want to do the things they're being asked to do. Um, and within that, there's kind of sexual attraction is part of it as well. You know, that an attractive person flattering you is more likely to influence you to behave in certain ways and less likely to make you think for yourself. Fear of failure, you know, that people fail and give up. They're the people that the devil can, can, can uh, control more easily rather than the people who fail and use that as a way of being resilient and right, thinking I'll yeah. try again. Failing and giving up is, 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 is what he likes. Um, and uh, propaganda which was big in 1938 mm -hmm. but if you think of propaganda in terms of advertising um, you know what the government tells us there's a there's a sort of especially perhaps in America but globally generally a distrust at the minute of authority in this way isn't it who you know what are these people telling us so one of the most effective tricks I know uh, is propaganda the instrument of greatest value setting people to murdering one another under the guise of war so by highlighting these differences between mm. us and using propaganda to sow the seeds of hate and fear. I mix propaganda with the news of the world. I have it taught in public and private schools. I see that it finds its way into the pulpit. I colour moving pictures with it. I see that it enters every home where there is a radio. I inject it into billboards, newspapers and radio advertising. I spread it in every place of business where people work. I use it to fill the divorce courts and I make it to serve to destroy business and industry. It's my chief instrument for starting runs on banks. My propagandists cover the world so thoroughly that I can start epidemics of disease, turn loose the dogs of war, or throw business into panic at will. Okay. Millions of my boys are preparing Americans to become Hitlerized. This is 1938. My best boys are working through politics and labour organisations. We intend to take over the country with ballots instead of bullets. Americans are so sensitive they would never stand the shock of seeing their former government changed with the aid of machine guns and tank cars. So our propaganda boys are served, what do they call those, uh, the, 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 the boys in America, the, the political ones, the Capitol Hill? Um, so our propaganda boys are serving them a diet they will swallow by stirring up strife between employers and employees and turning the government against business and industry. When propaganda has done its work thoroughly, none of my boys will move in as a dictator 
Um, uh, sorry, one of my boys will move in as a dictator, and the nine old men of your Supreme Court, with their silly notions of the Constitution, will move out. Mm, <laughs> you have to keep reminding you, 1938, this, yeah? Scary. Oh, scary, scary. Okay, right. So, you've got the devil on the spot, though, at this point. He's telling you the truth. So, what do you do to avoid falling into the power of the devil? Okay, so free will is the main thing. You've got to maintain your awareness and think for yourself. And, and okay? have no fear. And have no fear. no fear. Um, so how do you achieve that? Well, oh, uh, let me take you to... Right, so... A couple of things. First of all, this. Right, so... Uh, do your own thinking on all occasions, right? So think for yourself is number one. The fact that human beings are given complete control over nothing save the power to think their own thoughts is laden with significance. That's the only power you have is over your own thoughts. You've no power really over anything else. Okay. Decide definitely what you want from life. Then create a plan for attaining it and be willing to sacrifice everything else if necessary rather than accept permanent defeat. Is that a mindful mm, path? No, not, not really. really. <laughs> Analyse temporary defeat, no matter of what nature or cause, and extract from it the seed of an equivalent advantage. So learn, learn from your failure, I think, probably is. Be yeah. resilient to yeah. that. Not give up. Uh, be willing to render useful service equivalent to the value of all material things you demand in life, and render the surface service first. So you've got to give as much as you want to get before you will get it. And you've got to give it first. Mm. Now that's not necessarily something you'd expect from the devil, is no. it? Mm. Recognise that your brain is a receiving set that can be attuned to receive communications from the universal storehouse of infinite intelligence to help you transmute your desires into their physical equivalent. Right. So this is this manifestation idea, isn't it? Yeah. If you visualise, uh, you know, with enough conviction that you're going to be rich and successful, the universe will give you riches and success. It's like a secret. The secret, yes, very similar. Very similar. Um, I think that's quite a common one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Recognise that your greatest asset is time. The only thing except the power of thought which you own outright and the one thing which can be shaped into whatever material things you want. Budget your time so none of it's wasted. Mm -hmm. Does that fit with our concept of living in the present moment? You know, that not we, really, if you uh, deny your time. It's, it's this idea of, you know, deferred gratification. Mm -hmm. If I do these things, I'll be happy in the future. Yeah. Uh, Recognise that uh, fear, generally, is a filler with which the devil occupies the unused portion of your mind. It's the only state of mind which you can control by filling the space it occupies with faith in your ability to make life provide you with whatever you demand of it. So, kind of... Don't make space in your mind for fear. Mm. Make space in your mind instead for what you want to achieve. So like aff affirmations I mean, to some yeah, extent, I mean. thinking positive <laughs> thoughts. Hmm. Does mm. the devil say why he's passing on all this information? Because he's given person? no choice. George oh. Hill is on Napoleon George Hill, sorry. Napoleon Hill has somehow managed to find the secret code 
that will compel the devil to speak the truth. Right, okay. So no matter what questions he asks, the devil has to tell him the truth. Right. But the devil says, I will tell you the truth, but you'll never dare to publish it right, because okay. people will come for you and they will challenge and criticise you and your, your life and career will be destroyed as a result. So I'm not really bothered about telling you the truth mm -hmm. because I know you'll never print it. And for 70 years, that was true. Um, but it depends on whether, as we said at the beginning, you think this is literally a conversation between he and the devil, or whether it's him speaking to his own kind of eudaimonic yeah. self, you know, trying mm -hmm. to get to the heart of things. When you pray, do not beg. Demand what you want, and insist upon getting exactly that with no substitutes. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure about <laughs> that one. Yeah. Doesn't sit very many, well with many, many people. Yeah. Recognise that life is a cruel taskmaster, and that either you master it or it masters you. It's like reminds me of that Rocky clip that we use sometimes. Yeah. You know, you've got to get punched down and you've got to get up and you've got to get off every time. <laughs> There's no halfway or compromising point. Never accept from life anything you do not want. If that which you do not want is temporarily forced upon you. Refuse it. Anger is a gift. You do not have to accept it. We talk about sometimes, mm. don't we? Lastly, remember that your dominating thoughts attract through a definite law of nature by the shortest and most convenient route their physical counterparts. Be careful what your thoughts dwell upon. Right? So be mm. careful the power of thought can work for your advantage yeah. or against you. Okay. And then finally, I will leave you with these seven principles. The devil leaves us with seven principles by which to live your life if you wish to avoid his grasp and be happy, successful um, for all eternity. Okay. Right, so first of all, number one, definite, definiteness of purpose. You must have a definite purpose in your life. Number two is mastery over self. Number three is to learn from adversity. Yeah, you're nodding in a reasonable yeah. sort of way. Uh, number four is controlling environmental influences, and by this it means associations. So you only associate with those people who can help you right. and progress your cause. You clear your life of all the people who take from you and cause you unhappiness. That seems like a very devilly notion. Devilly notion, but I yeah. have come across <laughs> it in, in a, you know, you, you should surround yourself by positive people, you know, yeah. mindful people. Um, Time, giving permanency to positive rather than negative thought habits and developing wisdom. Mm. Harmony, acting with definiteness of purpose to become the dominating influence in your own mental, spiritual and physical environment. So that mastery of self. Mm. And finally, caution. Think through your plan before you act. Be careful what you wish for, because you might just mm. get it. Okay. Wow. So, that is outwitting the devil, the secrets of freedom and success, shared with us by Napoleon Hill. What do you think? Very good. Well. Shall I go and get rid of the book now? <laughs> I think you might need to ceremoniously burn it or something. It's mm. quite... Has it really has it chilled you to the bone? Well, yeah, it chilled you to the bone. Um, I wonder so, why they decided to so why publish did it. Some, why did they decide to publish mm. it? Uh, After all this time? I'm not sure it's made clear really. I think because they thought perhaps time, times have changed and people are less reactionary to mm. challenging texts and things and a little more open-minded and things. Um, so, as I say, 
I'm not I'm not suggesting that the devil's views are in any way right, wrong, you know, make use your own free thinking mind to draw your own conclusions. But I did think it was a very interesting book and yeah. it does raise a lot of questions. I'm wondering if if <laughs> the devil is working through you to sell more copies of this book through the podcast. Through the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, well I shall go and burn it now. <laughs> so Anyway, if you're ah, still if you're you still go. listening, <laughs> and you want to say something ah. nice to me, uh, you oh. can do that. How can you this do that? This is worse Haley? than the eating the children <laughs> podcast. Oh. <laughs> well, um, you can find us on Facebook where we are One Together CIC. Mm-hmm. You can email us at One Together CIC at gmail and you can contact us through our website, which is one together at cac.co.uk. Brilliant. Okay. But for now, this is Growing the Good, the Mindful Podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure you can say that today. <laughs> <laughs> and we may see you next, next time. time. <laughs> this is Growing the Good, the Mindful Podcast. <laughs>